0: Log Talk Radio Good Morning, and welcome to Free Women Free Ways. We are the show that uh, helps women talk about issues that impact them. Uh, A lot of times we talk about personal safety. A lot of times we talk about interpersonal relationships. And uh, we talk a lot about uh, domestic violence, um, which is a particular interest to me. And today we're talking about some nitty-gritty, which is who among us is not struggling financially? And who among us has never dreamed of having their own business? I know I have And I will tell you that uh, I've talked to a lot of women who've been in difficult situations like domestic violence who definitely want to be their own boss. But that's harder to do than it is to say. So today we're going to get some professional help. We have Susan Wilson Solovic with us, and she is uh, quite the quite the entrepreneur herself. She has been um, uh, an author. She's written The Girl's Guide to Building a Million Dollar Business. She's written It's Your Biz: The Complete Guide to Becoming Your Own Boss. Yay! That's what I want. And The Girl's Guide to Power and Success. Also, reinvent your career, attain the success you desire and deserve. She's an attorney, a media personality. She's been an Internet entrepreneur starting a, a company from uh, scratch and building it to a multi-million dollar business, and she's gotten a lot of awards for her her work. She's been a business contributor for ABC News and Fox Business. She's currently seen uh, frequently on Fox Business uh, reports. And welcome, Susan. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Well, thank you, Heather. Thanks for finding me and inviting me to be on your show.
0: Well, we have, first of all, let me throw out the number, 646-378-0430. That's 646-378-0430. And if you have questions about starting your own business or making your business grow or uh, just to get some motivation uh, for what you hope to do in your life, um, give us a call. Let us know. I'm not exactly positive where our conversation is going to take us. So um, I'm looking forward to this conversation a great deal. As I was explaining to Susan over the, the phone here before we got started, is I am um, also uh, in, own my own business, and I also struggle just like everyone else to uh, make it successful and uh, make it uh, uh, a business where I can sustain myself and grow and uh, do work for other people. I, I know one of the things that strikes me about having a lot of money, which I've I've never had in my life. I've never had a lot of money, but it occurred to me, That if I got a lot of money, I would like the things, I'd like the stuff, I'd like the travel. But I'd also love to have that feeling of being able to help somebody else. And I know that sounds trite. Um, I'll give an example, Susan. Um, I was talking with a young woman who had a small child. Her husband had beaten her terribly. The police wanted him. um, And he uh, was on the run. She and her daughter... Lived in fear every time they were in their apartment because he knew where they were. And she was terrified that he was going to come back and hurt them again. And oh. one of the other people talking in the conversation said, Well, just move. And she said, right. I don't have enough money to move. They want first and last. They want the money. You know, I don't have enough money. And I thought, if I had $2,000 in my pocket. I could hand it to that young woman. She and her daughter could go to safety, and it would be just as easy as could be. And I would love to have that feeling.
1: Yeah, Um, that would be wonderful.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, such a simple thing. $2,000 here, and now you have peace of mind for a while um so i think when we talk about success and financial success we oftentimes talk about it in relation to what we can do for ourselves and yippee skippy i'm into that too but i think that we also can find tremendous joy in success by what we're able to do for not only ourselves but for others am i pie in the sky with that susan
1: no i think that's very true i think that. Um, The interesting thing about women who are successful and make a lot of money is the research shows that they do tend to give back to their communities. They um, are involved in social issues. They are frequently more inclined to give nice benefits packages to their employees at an earlier stage of their business than their male counterparts. Um, They also often build family-friendly workplaces So I think what upsets me is when you hear these things that, you know, women who want to make money and who are ambitious and aggressive, you know, they're the B word. And it's really not the case, but that's how the media plays it. And so a lot of women often shy away from opportunities to to go for making money or to talk about money because they don't want to be characterized as that B word. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And we all know that if we are aggressive, we're pushy as women. Um, If we are determined, we're bitches as women. Um, Right. You know, all of these characteristics that are seen as positive for uh, male um, success figures somehow or other turns into something undesirable when it's applied to a woman um, in our culture. And I'd like to think that's changing, but I know it's not really it's it's kind of going underground. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, it's not quite as politically correct to uh criticize as much as it once was, but I tell you it's still there. The the attitude is still there.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And if you're not good looking, your your um opportunities could be limited. If you are good looking, everybody thinks your success is just because of your looks, you played on your look. I mean, it's like such a a negative environment for a woman to try and get out there and really uh uh be successful. But nevertheless right. women for for decades have done so. So um okay, let's get um uh, a little specific here, Susan. Um I want to start a business. Okay? okay, I was laid off from my other business. I want I've always had this idea for the cupcake factory. Um and I want to start it. I want it to be successful. What's the first thing that I do?
1: Well, I think the first thing you have to do is come up with, you know, what you want, to, what kind of business you want to start. So you said, you know, you bought a cupcake, and um, a lot of times women start businesses because they have a hobby. So let's say you like baking cupcakes, and that's kind of your hobby, and everybody tells you they're great and all of that. So you think, well, I'll just start the cupcake business. The problem is, you know, when you turn that hobby into a business, it becomes a job, and you may quickly find that your joy leaves you. And Uh it doesn't, yeah, so you really have to do some soul searching and say, is this really something I want to do day in and day out because you're going to be working seven days a week, 24 hours a day to make a go of it. So you've got to think about that. Do you love it that much? Where's your passion? What type of business do you want to start? Then the second thing is, you know, what's the reality of this? Is there really a market to buy whatever product or service you're going to do? How big is that market? How are you going to reach that market? And can you charge enough to really make this a viable business? So let's go back to baking. Let's say that, you know, you you bake and decorate cakes, and you decide you want to do that, and you're going to sell the cakes out of your home. Well, it takes you five or six hours to bake the cake and decorate it and all of that. And by the time, you, you know, looking around, let's say you live in a in a, a lower middle class kind of neighborhood and uh, you look around and you think, how much are people going to pay for this? You know, maybe you'll get a 100 bucks. Well, by the time you pay for all the products and the goods and your time, how much are you really making? And, you know, you could go to McDonald's and make more than that. So um, I think that that's the kinds of things that you need to really think about. Okay.
0: Um, so when you're searching for what you want to do, say that you really want your own business, you know that you're entrepreneurial, you, this is, really appeals to you, um, you've got several interests, how do you narrow it down?
1: Well, you know, once again, I think it is back to which is the best money maker, the most, you know, which is the easiest to get started, that's one thing. But also, which is going to make the most money? Where's the most market potential? And, you know, once again, I think that's a stuff that people just forget because when you are you start out with a business, you're so excited. You know, you're just like overjoyed, and you think your business idea is the best thing since sliced bread. And then you get out there, and maybe other people really don't get it. So mm-hmm. you've got to, like, do a little market research. And the great thing today is, you know, back when I started my career, market research was very expensive. Today, you can do that by, you know, testing it via social media or just bring a bunch of your friends over and order some pizza and say, here's what I want to do, what do you think? And, you know, you've got to listen to those things because if you hear a lot of negative, you know, you've know, you got to say, wait a minute, maybe I better step back and look at one of these other ideas I have. Um, so, you know, that's and, – and, you know, if you're not willing to listen at that point – you better listen to it then than when you already get started, and you spent money getting started, and it's too late because there you are,
0: so it sounds to me like what you're saying, Susan, is I always thought, okay, you find something you love and you try to figure out a way to make money at it. But what it sounds yeah. to me is like is what you're saying is no back up um, do Do you want to make money, and if so, what idea would help you make
1: money? Right, I you know that's the money, that's the money factor again. Going back to women, you know, we've got to focus on the money. That's the difference between women and men when they start businesses. And quite honestly, that's why we see men grow by far the, um, statistically more uh, larger businesses than women um, because mm-hmm. they haven't focused on that money element. Now, here's what I'll say. A lot of my competitors, as small business experts, will say, "Oh, if you're passionate about what you do, you can't help but succeed, and the money will come, and la da da da." And you know, if Follow you want to believe passion. that, I've got yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, if you got if you want to believe all of that, I've got a bridge in Brooklyn. I'll tell you, but um, <laughs> I I truly believe passion is important because passion is life's energy. So that's what keeps you going for all those crazy hours and keeps driving you but passion alone is not going to make your business successful and it's not going to make you money. So, you need to harness that passion and put it into something that yes you love and you're passionate about but also has that money factor. Mhm.
0: But you can all, you know, you can alter your passion. I mean, I'm passionate, okay, let's stick with the cupcakes. I'm passionate about cupcakes. Oh gosh, I love cakes. I love cakes. I love cakes. But if that's not where the money is, um, well, maybe I could um, apply that love to um, making wedding cakes or, you know what I'm saying, right. just kind of, of of adjust that plan instead of being locked into cupcakes, um, you know, look at it more broadly as working with food right. or something.
1: Right. Is yeah, that, maybe you have a, a small catering business that has a great line of cupcakes as part of that. So you, you have a broader offering. I mean, we saw... I don't know if in your area you had the Crumbs Bake Shop. No. But Crumbs crumbs was a cupcake uh, bake shop. They went public, uh, and they sold the most decadent cupcakes. I mean, you know, like 1,600 calories, I think, like in one (laughs) of their big cupcakes. It was crazy. (laughs) But delicious and expensive. But that was it. They sold cupcakes. And they went out of business earlier this year, closed down every single unit because – they were too narrow niche. You know, the cupcake craze, they it rose and yep. everybody wanted cupcakes, and now it's not so hot anymore. So, yeah. you know, they were one trick pony and they couldn't survive when the cupcake craze turned out.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, even Starbucks, which, you know, okay, cup of coffee, that's how that started, but they have right. all sorts of, of, of products that you can, right. you know, they've ex- expanded from a cup of coffee to, you know, excuse me, these multi-level types, I don't drink coffee, but, you know, these these things and the teas and smoothies and, you know, I mean, they've just expanded it.
1: Um, They have a broad offering, but, you know, also I would say that Starbucks isn't as much about the product as it is about the experience. So there's a lot of experiential kinds of things going on when you go into a Starbucks. And I think that also drives their customers and you know, they've got the Wi Fi in there, you know, music and you know, all these little chotskis you could buy and I so it's it's really an experience.
0: Yeah. Well and I look at that and uh, again, I don't drink coffee, so I see people spending five what? or six bucks for a, but you know, and I think, Are you nuts? You know, I mean it's
1: a yeah. cup of coffee. Well, you know, I um, I happen to love coffee but I don't I don't go to Starbucks because I don't care for it that much. The coffee mm-hmm. itself, the product. Um, you know, if I'm going to have coffee, I want just a black, straight cup of coffee. I don't want all that stuff in it. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I, you know, I'd rather go to McDonald's or Dunkin' Donuts and, and get my coffee. So, um, And it's a lot less expensive. Yeah. I've heard that McDonald's coffee is pretty good, actually. It's good, and Dunkin' Donuts is delicious. <laughs>
0: oh, really? Yeah, well, maybe oh, somebody my gosh, else my yeah, I'll start a stressful. coffee habit,
1: yeah,,
0: <laughs> uh, but again, going back to that Starbucks model, I mean I would imagine that they would have to charge an extraordinary price because people will go there, buy one cup of coffee, and sit using the wi fi for two
1: hours. That's exactly right, yeah, it's a meeting place, so yeah, you know, so they you're paying for the experience of of that you know location,
0: um. So, yeah, which is rather a complicated thing for somebody who's just starting out, I imagine, a complicated concept. Right.
1: Well, actually, um, I was uh, reading a story about a lady who started a coffee shop, and she actually said, you know, you know what, I'm not going to give free Wi-Fi. And you know what, you can't sit there all day. There's like a, I forget what the limit she put on. And she's kind of going against this whole Starbucks thing, but she said, I can't afford for somebody to come in and use my Wi-Fi and sit there all day, I have got to turn the tables and sell products. And I That's thought, good for her. She recognizes that, you know, she needs to she needs to do it her own way and not try to be a cookie cutter, um, match or replicate exactly what Starbucks does.
0: But if I'm a coffee drinker, why would I have the incentive to go to her place instead of the Starbucks where I can sit all day using free Wi-Fi?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, if that was your goal, you wouldn't, and you you wouldn't be her customer. I mean, that's not her ideal customer. Her ideal customer is someone who wants to come in and have a nice cup of coffee, maybe have a muffin, have a little conversation, and then leave. Uh huh. Okay. Oh, so she's she's. I thought she did a good job of defining and knowing who her that's the right customer is for her. Now we'll see. You know, watch her down the line and and see how it works.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um. So the most important first step for an entrepreneur would be to figure out what has the mo- what, what she has some expertise in, some interest in that would bring in the most money.
1: Right. You're right. It's got to be a profitable venture. I always tell women, you know, if you're going to go, you know, if you're not going to make money, then go volunteer somewhere, you know, sure, because sure. you're going to put so much risk, not just, financial risk on the line, but your health, your well-being, you're going to make, have to make sacrifices at times that affect your family, your social acquaintances, friends, you know. So why do that if you're not going to make it worth your while? And, you know, that's a relative term, I understand. You know, what I think might be a significant amount of money to for myself, someone else might go, well, I could never live on that. But, you know, I realize that's a relative term, but you really do have to have it so that you know that you can charge a price and make enough profit that you're going to have a viable organization.
0: Okay. All right. So say I'm this entrepreneur and I've decided that I've looked at the market in my area, and let's go back to that cupcake model because it's
1: so easy to talk about. Um, You're going to make me uh, angry here, Heather.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're talking about Starbucks and cupcakes. Yeah, right. Notice we're not talking about cleaning products here. Um, <laughs> we want right. to talk about the fun stuff. Um, okay, so I've decided that my cupcakes, I do have the skill. There is a market. I can charge enough. Um, how, okay. do, how do I determine whether
1: or not it will be profitable? Well, there you go. Or it you can know, be profitable. That's, that's sort of a work in progress, and you learn as you go, that you start looking around to what are other people char- charging that are selling, not just, Cupcakes, but other things that would compete with a cupcake. So it might be, you know, um, coffee cakes and uh, you know, sheet cakes or whatever. So what what's the price range in general? um, You know, pricing out there. Then, what's your overhead going to be? So those are those hard costs that you're going to know that I have to find a place where I can bake. um, So that's going to cost me this. I've got to buy this equipment. I've got to know, buy this much in product and so those are the sorts of things you've got to think and, and calculate in. Then you have to factor in your time. So you start thinking how much do you want to pay yourself? If you were going to pay yourself as a as an executive and an employee, how much do you want to pay yourself? So you've got to add that in. And that's a really good place to start. Um you also have to think though about there are going to be some people who maybe get the product and go, oh, it's awful, and they send it back to you, and you're going to have to absorb that and eat it and give them their money back. You're going to have some spoilage, things that might not sell. Those are variable costs, but you do need to think about those things too, and of course, you know, insurance. So, you know, there's a lot, you can Google on uh, the Internet, just, you know, checklists for startups for different types of businesses, and it will kind of give you some guidance. And what are the things that you need to think about when you're thinking about those prices? And like I said, it's a work in progress. But one rule of thumb that I've always had is don't start off too low. A lot of people, when they're starting their business, they're so desperate to make a sale that they price it below what they really think it should be or what they really want just to get the business. And it's really hard to go up in price, but it's easier to come down in price. So, you know, you could always do specials or discounts or lower your price, but it's really hard to inch your way up once you've started at that lower level. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like going for a job interview and they say, what's your, you know, how, what is your salary requirement? And, you know, I mean, who yeah. can answer that? Because, you know, you're sitting there thinking, okay, if they're prepared to pay hundred grand, and I say, oh, You can bet so. Say fifty. Okay, we've got. You know,
1: (laughs) we have. We We reopen here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Okay, so basically, I can get checklists. There are also a lot of places around that um, offer help um, to women. There's a lot of private industries, but there are also uh, things like the Small Business Administration. Are any of those things really worthwhile?
1: Um, Right. Yeah. There are. I mean, there's. um, the SCORE organization, S-C-O-R-E, which is partly, I guess, yeah, it's funded by the SBA, and it's completely dependent on volunteers um, in in the offices around the country. Um, I think they have over 10,000 volunteers, and these are people who have business experience and know how to look at a business plan or help you put one together even and put together some financial projections, things like that. One cautionary note is um, these are all... Retired individuals, and nothing wrong with being retired, but sometimes you get someone who maybe you're just not clicking with. Don't ever be afraid to say, you know what, this isn't working. Could I talk to someone else? Um, yeah. You know, And I've noticed that women sometimes won't do that. And so they just go away, and they haven't gotten the advice or the help they needed. So don't be afraid to say anything. There are also small business development centers around the country. And those are also partially funded by the SBA and usually um, also in part by a, a university or college in your area. Um, SCORE has a great online presence, which I think is either SCORE.org. This, say
0: that again. Or oh, oh spore, SCORE,
1: S-P-O-R-E? Yeah. It's either score.org S-C-O-R-E. like scoring a, a goal. Ah, okay. Yeah, All right, C O R E like SCORE. Right. And it's either that, dot okay. .gov dot gov or dot .org, but They have a lot of good templates and resources online, as does the SBA, which is sba.gov. And and then there are also women business centers around the country. And you could Google that, um, or there's a list of them on the SBA's website and see if there is one in your area. So those are all free resources that can help you. And, of course, the Internet is just great today, I think. Oh, gosh, how did we operate without it? Oh, I know. I mean, it's made... It's more the barrier to entry to starting a business because it used to be you either had to go research it at the library or, you know, get somebody who knew something or whatever. Now you just get on there and look yourself and you can find everything you need to know. <laughs> uh-huh,
0: yeah. Um, and you have to be extra careful that it's accurate information. <laughs> that's, right, that's very true. Sometimes there's that's more information I- than there is accuracy out there. <laughs>
1: oh, it's so true. That's why I also recommend you know, when people are starting up to, you know, invest a little time and go talk to an attorney, you know, because sometimes there might be certain permits or licenses or industry requirements or, you know, funky little laws that affect the kind of business that you're going into, and a lawyer is going to know that, whereas, you know, you may not discover it. And unfortunately, those things can be very costly if not taken care of properly up front.
0: Um, If you'd like to join our conversation, uh, please give us a call, 646-378-0430, 646-378-0430. Okay, Susan, so I've done my homework, I've checked out the market, I've gotten some help with my business plan and with financial projections from some of these organizations. Um, Now what do I do? How do I get the startup money?
1: Well, most small businesses start with less than $10,000 in capital, and many much less. And it's mostly with either your own personal assets or family-friendly funding or a credit card. Now, there are some new resources available online that are these what called crowdfunding sites. Crowdfunding, Kickstarter, that kind of thing? Kickstarter, Indiegogo. There's one called Moolah Hoop uh m o o l a uh h o o p i'm pretty sure Moolahoop. hoop like a hula hoop only a Moolahoop. hoop um and it's just for women it's uh, crowdsourcing just for women so um you can pitch your business on there and people can donate little bits and you can try to raise funds that way there are also micro lending sites available um on the internet that you can look at and oftentimes within your own geographic area, economic development uh, organizations have micro-lending programs to um, get businesses started. So, um, because that obviously they hope they'll grow and, and add jobs and things like that to the economy. Mm-hmm. So those are all options, but typically it's, you know, you're reaching your own pocket. Um, it's very hard to get a loan for a startup business, a traditional business loan. Um, sure. And, you know, it's... Um, So that's very difficult, and a lot of people say to me, "Well, I'm going to get a grant." Once again, you know, I basically want to say to people, there's really no such thing as free money. Uh, Grants are very specific to a certain type of business or industry that a geographic area is trying to start, or it has some sort of political agenda. You have to be very well versed in writing a grant proposal, and you know, each grant that's available gets. Thousands of proposals I sat on the board of a grant um foundation here in my hometown, and not that we would give that much out on a yearly basis, but I remember going through volumes and volumes of of um business ideas and strategies to get and we had some very specific criteria, so, so that they're they're tough to get.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so I'm probably not going to uh, get a grant. Do I have to be careful um, if I borrow money? Do you know? Can I go to relatives? Do and if so, what do I do? Do I give them a contract? Do I, you know, what what do I do? Because there's always the possibility that you're going to be pouring this money down a hole and never be able to pay it
1: back. Oh, you are so right. Absolutely, and that's the one thing you've got to be really upfront with your family about because the good chance is you're going to fail at this and they're going to lose their money. And so you want to make it as businesslike as possible. So you want to show them, you know, even if your business plan is written on the back of a napkin, you want to show them that you've thought it through, that you have some idea of the cost and, you know, when you're going to be able to make some money out of it, how you're going to do that. Um, and, yes, I would absolutely sign a promissory note with them so that they feel comfortable that they're going to get their money back from you somehow, some way. I think a lot of times our family members uh, will want you to succeed, and so they feel guilty not saying no. You need to let them know it's all right to say no. Do not put the pressure on them. Don't go to grandma and, you know, get her last $10,000 out of a little CD she had in the bank. You know, it's it's, it's just not good. So make sure that you go talk to somebody who is okay If they lose the money, it's not going to, you know, put them out on the street somewhere, and that you're really professional about it.
0: Now, uh, in my personal experience, I loaned some money to uh, a child so they could buy uh, their first car, and I made them sign up on a luxury note. Good for you, right. This this is the world, honey. You know, this is the way it works.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, you know, that's very good, and that's an important learning lesson, and, you know, I I loaned some money to a close friend who's not a friend anymore, but a few years ago, and I also made her sign a promissory note, but I've never seen a penny of it and probably never will. I'm sure I won't. But, you know, I, I still felt like, well, at least she knows she signed something and she knows that she owes me the money. So no, it, it, no, does, exactly. it
0: it's there. It's there. Yeah. And you have to decide. Uh, someone once told me that anytime you loan money, make it a gift in your mind. Right. In my mind, that's, this is a gift and it's okay if I don't right. get it back.
1: Right. Um, I think that's a good way to look at it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. You know, it's um, out the door and it's gone.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I have I also loaned a little money to a friend once and and um she was having a lot of problems she was one of those people that was constantly having problems and challenges in her life and i loaned her some money and um she did not pay it back you know and it was one thing after another well i'll pay it on this day i'll pay it on that day Da, da, da you know and um, i was complaining to another friend about it and i said that's it i'm just done with her and i said it just really ticks me off that she's not paying me back this money say say a hundred dollars and my yeah. other friend said hey look if you knew that you could give her a hundred dollars and she'd be out of your life forever, it's well worth it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I thought. Yeah.
0: Ah, oh, good point. Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I just spent a good hundred dollars, so yeah, good. Yeah, you
1: know, there's some <laughs> the truth of that. There's some truth of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I I just I, I watched this. Uh, my friend, uh, you know, she started when she started getting back on her feet, spending money on this thing and that thing, and you know, so, you know, and I was like, wait a minute. You know, you're not even making a ten dollar payment back to me. I mean, it was just mm-hmm. incredible to me, and you just can't stay friends with somebody like that. It's just, it's. I, I I've said it in the past, when somebody takes money from you and they truly need it, yes, you feel good about it, and, but when you know they get back on their feet and they don't even acknowledge it,
0: and they don't mm-hmm. talk
1: about it, or there's nothing, and you see them off, you know, going on vacation or whatever then that's just the same as stealing as far as I'm concerned. So I just uh, so I guess I just said, what Sorry. you're saying,
0: what we're saying is that if you give money or if you ask for money from a relative or friend, you have to ask yourself first, if I'm not able to pay it back or if this person does not pay it back, am I willing to sacrifice this relationship?
1: Yeah, that's a great point, right. You or know, and you if say it up to the person, your friend or your family member, there's a very good likelihood I'm not going to make it in this business and I'm not going to be able to pay you back. Is that all right with you? You know, just mm-hmm. get it out on the table. And if they say, yeah, I understand it's an investment, it's a risky investment, and that's okay, then, you know, you're you're cool about it. But if you promise that you'll pay him back no matter what and then you mm-hmm. don't, then that's going to really hurt the relationship.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so okay, so we've got our business plan. We've be- done our homework. We know what we want to do. We want to put our cupcake factory right on the corner over there, and we've got <laughs> some money from friends and relatives, and we've done our business plan, and we want to start the thing uh, next week. What? How do you promote your business?
1: Yeah, Well, that's an interesting question, and it's gotten so much easier today. Um, you know, I remember when I first started my first business, you really you wanted to try to get on t v or radio or get something mentioned in the newspaper, and you know that was really about the only avenue you had and and um, except you know networking events and things like that, direct mail, but very traditional kinds of sources and often very expensive today yeah. with the use of technology and social media, you can quickly start spreading the word, so you go on Facebook and you create a business page for your cupcake store and you invite your friends to start liking it. You start engaging people on Twitter and on Facebook, and you can use Pinterest because you're going to be able to show pictures of your great cupcakes and make everybody hungry, and Instagram. And before you know it, you're broadcasting your message out to thousands of people, and you know they're then going to help you market it. So it's um, it makes it a lot easier. I was just talking to a gentleman a couple of weeks ago, he started a doggy daycare business, and mm-hmm. he didn't have any grooming facilities or anything, strictly daycare. And he put a Facebook page up, and he um, started, like, his, he and his team, they just a couple of people worked for him, would take pictures all day long of the various animals and post them on Facebook with little funny captions. Well, you know, the owners loved that. Now he's got 13,000 likes on Facebook. And mm. you know, it really didn't cost him anything other than a little sweat equity. Yeah. Huh. And he's grown. He opened a second location, so he's doing very, very well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, I think I don't know because I I haven't researched this, but it seems to me that um, we're we're spending a lot on our pets lately. Um, that there yeah. seems to be a trend where we're willing to you know pay pay what we used to pay for kids for pets, you know, the daycare you know, I mean, I I have a friend who's actually um, uh, studying to be a a, a pet um, I'm not sure her exact title whether it would be a a pet therapist or, but anyway she's Ah. taking an entire class on pet massage
1: Oh my gosh
0: And I'm thinking, wow you know, I mean, I barely pay for a massage for myself i will be darned if I'm going to pay for it for my dog but yeah. there are plenty of people who do, you know. So, oh, no,
1: that's very true, very true.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, okay, so we open the doors and um, we're dealing with that. What do we do if it's not a success? How long do we give it? Um, how, you know, because, I mean, I've, I've read places where, okay, you have a year. If you haven't turned a, a dollar in a year, then, you know, it's not successful and it's just going to go under.
1: No, I think the rule of thumb generally is in the first year of business, you're going to lose money. The second year, you hope you start breaking even. And the third year, then you should start seeing a profit. So, you know, that's just a generalized rule of thumb. There are exceptions to every rule, but that's generally it. Um, So I think that, you know, by realizing that it takes a while to get that momentum and traction. You've got kinks to work out. You may, you know, have pricing issues or even product or service delivery issues that you've got to work out. So you have to give it a justifiable amount of time. And then, you know, people say, well, when do you throw in the towel? I think when it becomes obvious that you're throwing good money after bad. So if you're constantly having to throw more money into the pot just to keep the doors open and you've been around for a while, then that's kind of a key indicator to me that, you know what, either something dramatic needs to happen here or you need to hang it up. And that's okay. that's really the pivotal moment.
0: Okay. What about um having something unique about your business? How important is that? I mean if I have uh the cupcake shop and um oh I'm I'm stretching here, what would make it unique? Um yeah. and and I use real gold for the icing or for the decoration. Yeah. So that's unique. Um or oh, or the the, the, the pornographic cupcake. Cupcake decorations—you know that was something yeah. I read about not too long ago. So something that's unique. Do you have to have something that's unique in order to have a successful business?
1: It's it's always the best thing to do. Not that you can't eke out a living or, or manage to do fairly well if you're a cookie cutter, same old, same old business. But businesses that really hit it out of the park are the ones that are able to do what I call define just a noticeable difference. So it doesn't have to be the new bright shiny thing, the new invention, um, that, you know, that nobody's ever seen before. It's just a teeny tiny little difference. So, and I always use the Ben and Jerry story for this because, you know, here Ben and Jerry, they did not invent ice cream. You know, they they I'm sure they churned up their ice cream using basic same ingredients and recipe that every other business used except they started throwing in all these chunks and funky flavors. And mm-hmm. so they gave the market a reason to change their buying habits. Why choose Ben & Jerry's over Baskin Robbins or the Dairy Queen? Because if you want what Jer- Ben & Jerry's has, you you have to go to Ben & Jerry's. You can't get it anywhere else. And mm-hmm. um, one of my favorite flavors of Ben & Jerry's is Cherry Garcia. Oh, and that was named oh, after you. just it. Yeah. read my mind. Yes. Oh wow, yeah. Oh God, I love it. I, I will not even keep it in my house because it's gone. But, um Yeah, but they ca- they came I, out with these little
0: individual ones now. You can get them for like a dollar at the grocery store, and then you don't yeah. have like a pint of it in your freezer. You can just go get one of those little ones, and I think that's wonderful.
1: <laughs> See, there again, yeah, a great yeah. marketing idea. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So they listened to the market and said, you know, hey, here's something else we can bring to the market. But um, so we. Yeah, so anyway, but Cherry Garcia was named after Jerry Garcia of the Grateful Dead, and mm-hmm. he is known for saying, "It's not good enough to be the uh, it's not good enough to be the best at what you do. You have to be perceived as the only one who does what you do." And I just yeah. think that is so amazingly apropos and it's interesting that it ties right in with that Cherry Garcia ice cream and what Ben and Jerry did. And, you know, so when I I really challenged business owners you know, don't just go out there and do it the whole hum same old, same old way. You know, really listen to what's going on in the marketplace. And, you know, I, I also often talk about, you know, back in the early 1900s, somebody took a jar of peanut butter and a jar of jelly and smeared both <laughs> of them on white bread, and it changed the world. You know, I'm like, yeah. is there a jelly <laughs>
0: for true. your peanut butter? You know? so, yeah, oh, that yeah. sounds like that commercial for the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Ah, you got peanut yeah. butter on my chocolate. No, oh, you got yeah, chocolate right. on my peanut butter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, so it only takes one idea, but um, I hear a lot about how how many small businesses go under.
1: Right. Is that true? Huge. Yes. It's very true, um, and the okay. odds of making it past three years are, I mean, dismal. I think it's something like eighty percent close in that first three years. So okay. it's, it's tough. Yeah, you get past that hurdle and then, you know, then you hit like seven years and just like a marriage, you know, <laughs> you got yeah. to get over the seven-year hurdle. And then you get over that one and, you know, but um, I think, you know, if you start that business and you start with um, sort of the end strategy in mind, so what do you want this business to become? And you can visualize that and you can see it and you can start to think about it. And then you step backward in time. And you think, what steps do I need to take to get to that level? And then you're starting to build towards something instead of just existing. And that's a critical, yeah, that's a critical mindset. It, you know, they always say the reason that most small businesses fail is not because they're pushing themselves to think too big; it's because they're thinking too small. And mm-hmm. I truly believe that. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, let's talk specifically about women. Uh, we started okay. out talking about how how um, you know the the public uh, perceives women who are um, uh, aggressive or assertive or whatever you know. So I mean, right. women already have um, um, a good chance of being um, perceived differently from men who are doing the same kinds of things. But what about women who have had? I mean, uh, the the statistic for. Uh, abuse, either sexual abuse or domestic violence or child abuse, is staggering in this country. Yes. And yeah. a, the majority of it is directed toward women. Not that it doesn't right. happen to men. I always have to do this caveat, but it's like overwhelmingly done toward women. Um, right, right. So if a woman is is doing, you know, has all that stuff in her background and she's fighting against all of that, trying to become successful um, so she doesn't, you know, have to go on welfare or whatever, what, what could she do? What special burdens does she have to work around and how, she, how can she possibly work around all those things?
1: Yeah, you know, that's such a challenge. And, you know, it's so important to have the conversation about that in, in, in our country because it, it crosses over every societal line there is, every economic class, it, it's prevalent and it happens. And I think one of the things, and this is kind of a, a preventive thing, but I, I did practice law for a period of time, and I ended up doing uh, representing a lot of women, and many were abused, or um, you know their their husband had taken off, or some young skirt at work, and they hadn't worked, and and I I watched them, and I thought the women who were suffering from abuse, they often had so lost themselves, and they didn't have any economic means to free themselves. Of the situation, so they kept going back, and it was very frustrating for me because I, you know, I I, we kind of talk out of both sides of our mouth in this country because we idealize a woman who stays home to take care of her children, and I think that's a very important role. And I know it's a lot of work, and you know, absolutely. On the other hand, when something goes wrong for that woman, whether by death or disability or divorce or whatever, she's left on her own means. Society doesn't take care of her. And no. so it's it's a scary thing. So, it, you know, I without sounding, trying not to sound like I'm, I, I don't want to cross over the PC line here, but, you know, it's really important for women to understand, even if you are an in-home domestic, stay-at-home wife, you need to be setting things aside, establishing your own credit, having your own economic means, because if something happens and you want to get the heck out of there, you need to be able to do that. And that's just that peace of mind. It's that economic freedom. But without that, what do you do? Well, you know, once again, I think that you can start, you know, look for um, um, a job that pays you, uh, you know, enough to sustain yourself and your family. But then look at opportunities to start something on the side. Many successful small businesses start off as what I call sidecar businesses, part-time businesses. So you're letting your, your day job, in so many sense other word, to kind of fund you to get off the ground with your business. And it's a smart move. It also gives you that extra time without take you know jumping off the cliff to tweak your product or service, to find out what the right pricing is, to see what the market demand is. And I think those are all critical stages. And at some point, if you do it well, you'll probably reach that fork in the road where you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to either jump now or give it up because you've just got too much business. And, you know, hopefully you'll be at a position where you can say, all right, I'm ready to go full-time and, and then run with it. Um, so or, sell really it <laughs> yeah, or sell it for a fortune. Yeah, sell it, absolutely. You know, the other possibility <laughs> is, is to look for someone who you could partner with. Um, you know, and there I always caution and say, you know, look for someone who doesn't look like you. And by that I mean someone who brings skills and experiences and diversity of background to the business that you don't have. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you got if you go into business with someone who has exactly the same personality as you, do, exact same skills, exact same experiences, you're just gonna be replicating each other. And not all of, I mean, we're not good at everything, right? So, you know, yeah. you find you know your what your strengths are. Find somebody who has strengths in those areas that you're weaker in. So for me, and that doesn't not necessarily
0: a, mean your best friend, you know, Minnie
1: or something. No, right? No, that's usually a bad thing to do. But yeah. you know, for me, I'm I'm not a good detail person. I'm not good with the operations and the mechanics of the business. I can I can do it. I know how to do it, and I have done it. But because I don't like it, it's something I procrastinate with. Um I don't probably do it as well as I I could or should. So when I want to build a company, I often look around and say, who's out there that I could bring in who who loves to do this, who would have the same vision and passion that I do about this idea? And then that's who you, you surround yourself with. You bring those people in as partners. And when you bring in that diversity of skill sets, not that it works every time, but mm-hmm. you know it's, it's a better chance that it's going to work out. And oftentimes that partner is somebody with the right contact and the right money to get that business going too. And you bring in the sweat equity and the um and the ability to craft the product or the service. Mm-hmm.
0: So, are there I know I'm I'm thinking of investment groups. People who don't have a mm-hmm. lot of money. They just have 25 bucks a month maybe. Um and can't really uh do a great deal of investing. We'll often get together and do investment clubs or investment groups. Um, where they pool their money, and then they investigate the stock and decide what they're going to purchase and, you know, that kind of thing. Right,
1: um, right. Uh-huh.
0: Is there anything similar, like, to that where uh, women can kind of find support or, or uh, you know, start new new businesses together or something, you know, is there anything similar yeah. for a woman who does not have the resources to start a business but maybe has a good idea? And...
1: There is an organization called Count Me In, Count me in. dot org, um, and they do help women build businesses, um, but you know they're not a national organization. They're mostly online. The yeah. other opportunity is in terms of investment clubs. I immediately think of angel investors, and there are groups of people who join together in clubs, and then they look at business plans and they invest. And those are they're known as angel investors. The problem with that is it's also difficult to get that as a brand-new startup. Unless you've had some experience running businesses or you've you know, already had a business and sold it. Um, it, it's tough. Not impossible, but it is tough. Um, but, you know, sometimes you might be able to get a little seed money, like um, twenty-five, fifty thousand dollars 50000 from a group like that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, that sounds like you know, a nice little seed money. But, you know, the other thing is, though, you're going to have to give away some of the ownership of the company. And what they want to take for that, you know, is something you've got to be comfortable with because now suddenly you've got these people who are now part of your business.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um,
1: yeah.
0: And there again, everything in life is a compromise, isn't it? Um, you know,
1: Right, it you, is, yeah. You
0: have to decide, you know, just like with the relationship and borrowing money, you have to decide which is more important. Uh, worst case scenario here, what's going to happen? And um, yeah. be willing to accept that. Right, think. right right so okay so we've got women who have some ideas who could be very successful in their businesses but they have um a background of say abuse or or extreme poverty or something that's holding them back mm-hmm. um, what what can these women do? What can what can women do for themselves if they're in that situation? And what can other women do to support them?
1: Well, first of all, I think I, I I you know we have to look in the mirror and look at ourselves and say okay what is true about me and what isn't. I always say labels are so damaging. So if we call ourselves a, a victim of domestic abuse and we put that label on ourselves then that's that's how we live our lives. Um, If we don't think we're good enough or smart enough or we're still carrying around the baggage of of having grown up in extreme poverty, then that's who we are. So, you know, you have to deflect those labels and really get back in touch with who you are, what your special gifts are, what your strengths are, and focus on those things. And I remember um, a number of years ago I met a woman who was a victim of domestic abuse, uh, one night, she loaded up her car in the middle of the night with her children, she had three children, and they took off with just the clothes on their back. And she ended up in a shelter for a while, and then they ended up living on the streets. And uh, her children were taken away from her and put in foster care. And finally, she got into a, a what they called welfare-to-work program. And she got she started a lawn care business. And when I met her, she won an award, uh, the Welfare to Work Award from the SBA. Um, She had had been able to get her life together to rent a home. She had her children back. And I said, how in the world did you go from being so far down in the street, in poverty, you know, sleeping outdoors every night, and your children were gone? How in the world did you ever get back to this place? And she said, I woke up one morning and said, I'm going to stop Believing and listening to all the bad and only focusing on the good, mhm, and I thought, boy, that's powerful and then shes her next sentence was, and today I feel like Cinderella oh ah, was great oh yeah i hope i mean that, she I was, hope.
0: yeah, I hope that she used all that energy and experience and everything to to bring up- an, you know to help another woman or women. Um, because yeah. I think sometimes. I, I don't know whether it, you know. I, I don't know whether it still holds true today. But a lot of times, I will hear people say, "Oh, women are in competition." You know, young women are in competition for men. Women are in competition over their families, whose kid gets to go to Harvard and who does. You know. I'm right. not sure that's true. Um, I, in my experience, women support other women as much as she, they can. I hope right. that has that been your experience. I guess is the question I ask. You
1: know, I. Yes and no. I mean, I have had my share because I've been around and working for a long time um, of women who wanted to sabotage. And um, I, when I became the first female executive in um, a division of a 100, Fortune 100 company, you know, it was all because, not because I had, like, busted my rear end and did good work. It was because, oh, she's probably sleeping with the CEO, right, you know? So, um And I always say women should rejoice in other women's successes, and there's plenty of room and opportunity for all of us out there, you know. Um, And I'm like you, Heather. I I support other women. I work with other women. Um, If I have a choice of, you know, giving a job to someone, I'm going to give it to a woman before I give it to a man. Um, But I don't think that's true necessarily across the board. I think there are still women out there who – are backbiting and, um, you know, jealous and a lot of that cattiness that goes on. And it pains me to say that, but I truly do believe it's there.
0: Mm. That's that's really a shame, I, I think. It, it, it just, uh, it saddens me. Um, not that, you know, people don't feel competitive and jealousy and all that other stuff, but
1: that sure, people human feel nature, that, yeah. you know,
0: not just right. women. Um, and I also think that... Um, Power has a lot to do in our lives, and I think that uh, when people feel that they don't have power over themselves, um, they like to take po- they try to take power over somebody else. Does that make sense?
1: Right. Yes, I think so, that's true.
0: And if the only you know, power think... you have in at work is answering the phones and uh, taking care of the bulletin board, you are going to become the bulletin board Nazi
1: because yes. that's the only yeah. place where you
0: have power. Does that make sense? That's
1: very true. Yes, absolutely. It's very, very true.
0: Yeah. So I think we all have a desire for power, um, and the trick is to develop within ourselves so that we don't have to try and snatch it from other people.
1: Right. That's very um, true. And you know, I I, um, I I was a a dancer and a pianist and all that growing up, and I learned to become very competitive with myself. So I okay. was always pushing myself to do more or to do better. And if I saw someone who could outperform me, I wasn't jealous. I didn't want to go badmouth that person. I wanted to say to myself, you know, you need to work a little bit harder, girl. You know, <laughs> you need to get off your yeah, butt. Yeah. You know? and, and there was some envy there, but it wasn't such that it was harmful.
0: Yeah. Well, and people are people. I mean, you're always going to have envy. You're always going to feel jealousy. You're always going to feel uh, uh, down, whatever. I did want to make just a little point. Um, You know, I appreciate your point about, you know, you can't be the victim and still um, uh, proceed uh, with a successful life. Um, But for many people who have been through trauma things like PTSD um uh you know physical uh social economic uh barriers do occur and even if you think as positive as you possibly can or think as positively as you possibly can you're still you've still got those things in you um and so um i think that uh unlike women who have not experienced trauma women who have can't rely on that, you can't stay stuck in that, but you also have to acknowledge that you're going to have to, you know, come up with some extra ideas or come up with some extra energy or something, you're going to have to factor that in. in Right, I think that's very
1: true. You've got to have a, you have to have a um, coping mechanism and you're not going to forget, I mean, you're you're never going to forget, but Mm -mm. you've got to move on and move forward and, you know, I think that I, I've had some trauma in my life, and I, when I feel myself falling back into that place, you know, I have to stop and say, okay, I recognize what's going on here. Yeah. I'm going to give myself a little bit of time to collect myself, and then I'm going to move on. So, you know, I don't mm-hmm. criticize myself because I'm having that emotion or that those feeling, but I, but I do recognize what's happening to me now instead of just letting it consume me. You know, I'm a little bit more control with it. Doesn't mean it doesn't happen, but I am yeah. a little bit more in control. Yeah.
0: I think you know, for for me, my coping strategy is to say, okay, this is you know, eleven o'clock on Tuesday. Somebody just said something at a meeting that triggered something for me, and right. I just want to go cry. Well, right. you don't do that. And I always say, okay, at six o'clock, I can try, cry at six o'clock. You know. Yeah.
1: There you go. And
0: yeah. <laughs> okay. At six o'clock, I can cry, and for some reason, that works. And and I may actually cry at six o'clock, or I may not. I might be over it yeah. by that time. Um But yeah. again, that's a a coping mechanism. And I think yeah. that for women who are trying to be successful in business, um, the best thing you can who have experienced trauma is the best thing you can do is to uh, develop a coping system and also to find a, a, a support group. Who knows what the heck you're talking about? Uh, when you do right. have to relive that, when you do have to revisit that, um, you know, find a group where it's safe for you to do so. You don't want to do it in the lunchroom at work because those folks are going to think, right. you know. Uh, right. So there's, there's no you know,
1: crying at work. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. No dies, crying right. at work. You yeah. know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no plunging necklines and no crying. You know.
1: That's right. Susan,
0: right. I. I have learned so much today and uh wow I've taken notes I hope everybody else has too a okay. uh, little reminder that anybody can go to the, our webpage uh, blogtalkradio.com/3women3ways and that's the digit 3 and uh, listen to this program again um, and uh, through the archives and gain as much as you possibly can from it. I, I think I'm going to go back and listen to this too uh, because there are some things that I want to hear over again and uh, to add to my notes. Susan, thank you so much. I wish you continued success, success in life. Is there one real brief little thing you'd like to leave us, our listeners
1: with? Well, I just tell you, Heather, if everyone is on Facebook, I started a group called Outrageous Success. It's a group, it's not my personal, it's just Outrageous Success and it's all focused on helping everyone, not just women, but helping people succeed to build their dreams with so much negativity in the world. I wanted some place to go that's a positive safe haven where we're applauding successes and we're helping others succeed. Wonderful. One of the things that I do on our show is to close with a quote, Susan, and today I have a quote from J.K.
0: Rowling. Most people, I think, are familiar with her story. Her quote is, what's the worst that could happen? Everyone turned me down. Big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I do, too. Yeah, big deal. Um, and what's the worst that could happen? I, I think that there's a lot, a lot of times thinking about things that might happen, keep us from taking steps forward and so just think about what's the worst that could happen and chances are it's not that bad thank you for joining us three women three ways we'll be here again next week please join us (laughs)